Welcome to Box Office Culture. It has been a minute, and I apologize for that. I have no excuses. But we are back, and honestly, and I mean it this time, we're really going to try to stick to doing this as a weekly show from now on. 15 to 30 minutes tops every week talking about the latest and greatest news information and cool stuff happening in movies and pop culture. Um, Changing up the format a little bit, um, tightening things up, and talking about real things in the moment. This week, we're talking about Marvel. New Variety cover article hit this week by Tatiana Siegel called Crisis at Marvel, Jonathan Major's Backup Plans, The Marvel's Reshoots, Reviving Original Avengers, and More Issues Revealed. And this article comes from, I I believe it's coming from the publishing of this new book, which I have not yet read, called MCU The Reign of Marvel Studios by Andrew Cascino. Uh, maybe I'm pronouncing that wrong and I apologize, Andrew. Um, but we're talking about that. We're talking about Marvel, Marvel fatigue. Is it a real thing? We're talking about the Marvels, which is coming out here at the United Theater next week and more. So stay tuned. Joining me today on Box Office Culture is Lee Metzger. Hello. I'm back. Lee and I have done this show a number of times. He's been a regular guest. I've been a guest on his show here on the United Podcast Network called Supposed the to load in. There you go. Come on. Snappy, I mean, at snappy. This point, at this point, I figure that we're both kind of just the uh, impromptu co-hosts of each other's shows. I think so. I think so. I am going to try, now that we're doing this weekly, no offense to you, to build a bigger bench of people. So that way, I don't have to have you on every week. I, I would love to have you on every week. I love talking to you. But uh-huh. I want to mix it up. So that. That's the hope. And, and All right. Well, this is devastating news. Um, so just give me a second while I try to recompose myself. I apologize. It, it's early. It's a Friday morning, and I feel like I just ruined your weekend. No, it's okay. It's okay. Well, today we're talking about Marvel. Um, and who doesn't love talking about Marvel? Well, I mean, let's talk about that. Uh, Marvel has been such a big talking point for years now. Years. Uh, oh, you know, well over a decade. And I'm wondering... Are you sick of talking about Marvel? Kind of. Uh, I've found myself scrolling through Disney Plus and being much more inclined to click on the Star Wars um, stuff now. I'm still like fully locked in with the macro cinematic universe stuff. Yeah, like I love that stuff. I love, I love when you know you point to something and like, oh, that guy's from the other thing. You know, like yeah. I like that. That that tickles the you know the the baby part of my brain. It's super unique too. I mean, it's like um, this idea of creating a cinematic universe. You know, you could you could argue that there have been little attempts here and there over you know past history of of doing things like that, but not putting a name to it. Maybe no. Um, but Marvel kind of rebranded and recreated this whole strategy around synergy. Uh, between properties and and I mean I I am a big Bob Iger fan. I think Bob Iger and what he's done at the helm of Disney is is kind of remarkable. You know, buying Star Wars and Marvel, 
and um, you know things he's done with Disney Parks and all of that. I'm I'm kind of a a fan of yeah. of what he's done at the corporate level um, to bring on these properties. And 2008 is when the MCU started with Iron Man, um, and we've gone way 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 beyond that. Bob Iger was kind of the original architect, maybe seeing a little promise there, but the real architect is, is Kevin Feige. And, um, Who cut his teeth on the X-Men. Yeah the, yeah, the old, old X-Men movies. Um, and then created this thing where, you know, we're going to put at the end credit of a movie a little teaser for the next movie and the next superhero we're revealing. And then it grew from there. Mm-hmm. But this art article in Variety, and I, I assume this book, MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios, are kind of looking at it with a, a bit of a microscope and saying, let's really look into this, um, the brilliance of it, but also the the, the business side of it. And, and there is a side of business here that seems to um, overtake the creative. And yeah. I think we've reached that a little bit with Marvel. And that's what this article is about. It talks about some recent controversies that we'll we'll touch on briefly, um, but more so it talks about how much is too much, and I think that's kind of the theme of of this conversation we're going to have um, is how much saturation does it take to oversaturate a market um, and a fan base, and Marvel fan base has been fervent and amazing, and people were clamoring for everything that was to come out. There were Marvel podcasts. There, there still are, there, but even that, those conversations at that level are fizzling out, and I think, um, I think fatigue is there. Um, so, and your, what, what's your opinion? Article aside, what's your personal opinion about about that fatigue? Do you think it's there? Do you feel it? And and why do you think it got there? I, I can see it happening. I, I watch a lot of YouTube. Um, that's kind of like my my TV is go, going onto YouTube and I follow all of these channels mostly a lot of the a lot of these hand uh, a lot of these channels I started following because they were doing Marvel breakdowns or Star Wars breakdowns stuff like you know a hundred Easter eggs or things that you didn't notice uh in Ant-Man and the Wasp and they'll just watch the Plot. entire movie and like stop it like all of these different moments and be like all right so the thing that was uh like this is a reference to like this license plate on this uh, car on the bridge uh, in Spider Man, it says, you know, blah blah blah. It says, you know, A S M one one zero, and the reason it says that is because it's Amazing Spider Man episode or um, uh, volume. What is it? The comic book is it volume volume one ten or our issue eleven issue? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah issue one ten, and then. It'll be like uh, that was the that was the one where Spider Man saves a bunch of people on a bridge. Yeah, and I started watching all of these channels um, for those breakdowns, and now you can see um, the fatigue is hitting them. It is because these um, these video breakdowns they're becoming. You can tell that the hosts are beleaguered, they, and yeah. they are like. You can see the circles under their eyes. It's just like, it's not, you can tell it's not fun for them in the same way that it was before. And like the, at the end of the, the, epi, at the end of the breakdowns, the pleading nature of their like, please come back. Like, this is all we're doing and it's hard now and it's not fun and we've got bills that we need to pay. And you can just, you can see it. 
you know? I think this article talks about all kinds of potential issues, but I think what they point to and pinpoint as the main issue for this fatigue here is um, the push for streaming. It's funny and ironic um, and the irony that we're doing this from a movie theater and we're a movie Mm -hmm. theater podcast is not lost on this, but um, there's this irony about um, streaming and how how much money streamers are actually hemorrhaging right now. Like they're just, they're losing money. They're pumping so much money into so many things. And now there's so many streaming services out there that if you honestly, the beauty of streaming was that this was an escape. This was a a chance to cut cable. Mm -hmm. But now if you, if you're like me and you look at all the streaming services you have and you add it up, you're paying as much, if not more than you were for cable. So we've reached a point where it's like, meh, you know, this is too much. And there's so much content being pumped out. Yeah. You can't keep up. And things, some great content even is getting lost. But places like Disney Plus, and I love Disney Plus, um, but, you know, they they had a real push that we need new Marvel content all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there's not a movie out, there's a new TV show hitting. And they're all tied together. There is no unique one-off property Everything has to tie into the other thing. The mm-hmm. story arcs have to be continuously moving together, which is an insane thing to first put on writing staff um, to keep up with that. To, to tell stay... a, a full, succinct story, but also leave things open enough for the next completely disparate show but or you, movie. But you, you have like three writer's rooms, essentially. You know, you have the writer's room for She-Hulk, Loki... And Falcon and the and the Winter Soldier, like at the same click, you have you know four, maybe six, even movies in development with different screenwriters and teams there. Uh, you know, Kevin and his team at Marvel need to be the ones that are the architects of the main storyline, the the cinematic universe, and how it all ties together. But because of the the push for constant content, um, it's getting muddied mm-hmm. and inconsistent, and then. Interestingly, in this article, they really talk about the visual effects piece too and how taxing it is and how like the visual effects artists from Marvel have unionized because they're being burned out and overworked and and some of these things are being released with like uh not finished effects um for their premiere or they're adding things in later like She-Hulk apparently uh there's this whole sequence of her transforming that was later in the show but they ended up adding it earlier in the show after yeah after it premiered and so i mean you don't do that you don't put something to screen and then go back and, and change it and fix it so that that speaks to a greater problem unless here. you're george lucas yeah unless you're george <laughs> lucas but that i mean honestly that speaks to a greater problem here which is you know it, it is oversaturation at the production level but then it that trickles down and, and Marvel was known for the quality. Yeah. You're like, we're going to a Marvel movie. It's going to be great. And now you go to a Marvel movie lately and it feels like, ah, like, it could I be hope great. That this doesn't suck. Yeah. Like Ant-Man quantum mania is a fun movie, but it is in my opinion, easily forgettable. Next week, the Marvels is coming out. I have high hopes for the Marvels. I loved captain Marvel. I love Brie Larson as captain Marvel. I think, She's like the Superman mm-hmm. of the MCU, um, just so powerful, such an amazing, strong character, and and that the fact that they're they're bringing Miss Marvel, and um, uh, 
Rambo and like all of those characters together in this. What's her name? Photon. Uh, who? Uh, Monica Rambo. I don't know. I don't know. Me neither. But it's Monica Rambo is her character's name, um, and then Kamala Khan is Miss Marvel. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're bringing all three of those characters together and and Samuel L. Jackson, it it looks fun. It's also. I will say it's the shortest Marvel movie to date. This I believe is like it's like ninety something. It's it's like an hour forty minutes about. Oh, which okay. is amazing because that's another problem is they're they're putting in so much to these movies that they're bloated. they can be a little bloated. You know, with with Endgame and all of those movies, the, those felt epic and amazing, and those were the culmination of like tw- uh, fifteen years or so of. Build up, you know, so Those, no one would blink an eye if it's no a three hour runtime. And everyone, we've sat with these characters: Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson. Movie after movie, I mean, we we love these characters. We cry when Robert Downey Jr. dies oh, yeah. in Endgame. Um, but now, because Marvel and audiences have this disconnect, they're really trying to think of new creative ways to create that connect again. And they're actually talking about reviving some of the characters like Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man um, because they've, you know, they've retconned a number of times. And you can do that in the comics world because they're comic books and they've created a multiverse. So the storytelling can be a little um, weak or uh, lazy, I would say, um, if they need it to be to, to kind of revive some of these characters. But they're really thinking about Reviving RDJ and ScarJo. If if the studio is worried about losing the interest or goodwill of their fans and audiences, trivializing the death of like the main hero of the cinematic universe is not going to ingratiate them with their audience, though. Yeah, I think it would be like a kind of a slap in the face, almost. To like, okay, never mind. Uh, our box office returns aren't good enough. Let's just put the guy up on the screen so that Lee will clap at his TV and point. Enjoy. I mean, Star like Wars has stupid unwashed masses. You could say Star Wars has been doing that. Yeah, with, and they got a bunch of backlash. They 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 have. You know, they've literally taken dead characters. Like the actors have died. Yeah, and like revive them on screen digitally which is that that grosses me out yeah that seems like a line you should not cross whether you have the family's permission or not um don't revive the dead Mm -hmm. on screen it's like the whole ai conversations we've had on this this podcast before Mm -hmm. um i don't know though i i do think there is something to be said about reviving some of those characters maybe not to lead but have them come back in some way i i do think that marvel went a little deep on like recasting Captain America and the, you know, building up Miss Marvel to be a replacement for Carol Danvers and, uh, you know, trying to find new Natalie Portman, uh, taking over the Thor mantle, things like that. Um, I get it. I like, I like the idea of changing things up from a bunch of essentially white people, Mm -hmm. uh, white men, Mm -hmm. uh, to, to kind of mix things up. I love that. I love our children being able to look at the screen and say, whoa, like that person represents me. That person Mm -hmm. looks like me. Um, But at the same time, when you're doing that, 
for the sake of doing it and not putting the care and attention those characters deserve and that equity, frankly, deserves as well into the stories that you're writing, uh, I think you're, you're doing a disservice. And Marvel has not had a chance, at, I believe, to really think about and put those really thoughtful stories together because everything feels like a bit of a rush job and it feels like it's all being forcefully tied together. And I think Marvel, to their what they might need to do is rethink the cinematic universe a little bit or spread it out. It's a universe. I've always thought this for Star Wars, too. When Star Wars does their films, and it, they always end up being about the Skywalkers, mm-hmm. and it's like, why are we... Like, um, the J.J. The Abrams uh, films... They're great. I like them, but it's it, you have you have literally have a, a full universe at your disposal. Why are we telling the same story about the same family and the same characters in the same galaxy? In the same galaxy, yeah. A universe. It's a universe. Um, so that feels like Marvel is doing that a little bit as well. Um, and I'm not saying like uh, find obscure characters and and like make movies from obscure Marvel characters no one knows, that's not gonna work. I'm saying well take I'm I'm saying like take things like the X Men, which they now own. Yeah. Revive the X Men. Do a nineties we were talking about this mm-hmm. uh, um before the podcast. Do a nineties X Men that takes place in the nineties. But don't work so hard to tie it into some greater storyline or greater arc that's gonna lead to some culmination movie. No. Let the characters in shows and movies be their own thing for a little while. It doesn't all have to tie together. Mm-hmm. There can be a couple little Easter eggs that tie them together, but don't build your whole narrative structure on it because if you do and your whole narrative structure is about a character, a villain like Thanos um, or their new character, you know, Jonathan Majors is playing Kang the Conqueror and they're, they're hedging all their bets on this character to lead into the next Avengers films and, you know, be kind of the, the culmination of this new phase of Marvel. Well, what happens when that actor has yeah. assault allegations and, and becomes really problematic? Cause that's what's happening right now. It's another part of this article. It's, it's kind of a testament to like, yeah, we did this experiment. It worked. Uh, Endgame was the culmination of it. It was amazing. Uh, we built the MCU. We, we built, 15 plus years of movies that tied together. We did it. Experiment successful. Yeah. Let's try something new. And I think that is where they'll benefit most. I, but I don't see them heading in that way. I think what's going to be really interesting is this, um, what's going on with uh, Ahsoka. And not to do a full... Uh, you know, about face here, but for, you know, spoiler alert, the ending of Ahsoka, they're basically, our main characters are on, or in another galaxy. Mm-hmm. And they are going to go on a whole different quest, hopefully to just like explore that galaxy and not just to return to the other one, which is fine if that that's all there is, but they're now in another galaxy. So like kind of the same thing. What if, this new X-Men series or this X-Men universe kicks off and we're just, we're not even, don't even worry about the 616. Exactly. Like tie up 616, we're done, we're good. Like that is, that's awesome. We love that universe. It 
kicked whole ass. Now let's let's do something completely different. Like our main characters are no longer Captain America, Iron Man, Spider Man, and this group of people. Now it's Professor X, uh, Cy. What's a cyborg? <laughs> what's his name? Cyclops. Cyclops. Oh yeah, Cyclops. Cy- okay, Cyclops. Yep. Um, and Rogue. Oh, like these are yeah, Wolverine. Not or not even Wolverine. Like friggin' Jubilee. You yeah. know. Yeah. Let's 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 have them be the main characters because Iron Man was a second rate superhero before he was the MCU. Yeah. Nobody cared about Iron Man. That's why, like, they made a movie about it because they were like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. We'll take the million dollars for the licensing and have you go have fun in your sandbox." Yeah. And then John Favreau, being John Favreau, turned around and made a banger of a movie. And like Ahsoka, Ahsoka if they do go that route, they they still have a spectral Skywalker in tow, you know. <laughs> so they true. still have that foundational anchor to uh-huh. the core storyline. And they could make it work, but don't lean so hard on it. And mm-hmm. I think the same could be said if, for whatever Marvel ends up doing next. And here's the thing. There is Marvel fatigue for sure. You can see it in the yeah. box office numbers. Guardians of the Galaxy did really well. Ant-Man kind of uh, barely broke even, I would say, at the box office. Um, the Marvels, uh, people are saying they, they are not expecting it to open as strong as it needs to. Um I, I hope it does. I think it looks fun. I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. Um, but the, the people who are... The, there are people out there who are just anti-Brie Larson, anti-women-led you know, think I think and, some of this is actually coming from like um, the, the people who do the, the wheeling and dealing money side of, of Hollywood, though. I sure. Think, you know, they're, they're predicting early returns are not going to be where they should be. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the the last Doctor Strange movie that Sam Raimi directed, that movie was great mm-hmm. and it hit really hard uh, at the box office. Um, but you can only have so many break evens, or yeah, and these movies cost so much money, yep. especially in marketing and things like that. That if you don't hit like half a billion dollars worldwide, then what you're you not doing? a success. Which yeah. is that's a whole other subject. But I think. I'm hopeful that the Marvels comes out of it. I, I do think and I hope that people lean on this idea of like shorter run times. And instead of all of these movies feeling maybe like it's an event that's tied together and you can't miss them because that's what it used to feel like. Hopefully Marvel movies can become like a an exciting like, no, we're just going to go. We're going to go have a good time at the movies for an hour and 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. And that's why people end up going to these instead of saying like, oh, I need to see it first. Because I need to see the Easter eggs and the the teasers at the end of the trailers. Let's forget about that stuff now. Let's like look at the Marvel movies and reinvent them maybe in a way that is just fun. And it's about going to the movies. Kind of in a way of what's happening with DC. With Joker, when uh, when Joker came out and then the new Suicide Squad of these movies that don't concern themselves with tying in with the other greater cinematic universe. They handed over this property to auteurs and are like, tell a story. And then they did, you know, you could argue that Joker actually was just a sequel to what's that movie? The comedian. Oh yeah. Yeah. With Robert De Niro. You you could say that that was just, you know, if you took out all the Joker stuff, it would have just been that movie. Um, And then suicide squad is James Gunn just having fun. Well, that's, well, that's the other thing is like, it can't, the irony can't be lost that James Gunn, 
Yeah. Uh, the, the last big, big hit for Marvel, which was this past year, was Guardians of the Galaxy. Helmed by. three. Helmed by James Gunn, who yeah. now is the creative head, basically the Kevin Feige of DC. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you had to hold on to those those creators and I those do really wonder, interesting people. I do wonder if there's going to be a switch now. If there's going to be a full, like, sea change to, you know, before, or maybe not before, but, like, when the Chris, Christopher Nolan Batmans were coming out, mm-hmm. DC kind of ruled the public discourse a bit more than they do now. Yeah. Uh, more market share, at least. Batman did. Batman did. Say. Yes. And that's... then DC tried to, but failed. Yes. I think the DC experiment is a failed experiment and continues to be. It seems cursed in mm-hmm. some ways. Like The Flash, I watched it. it was, there was parts of that movie I enjoyed, um, but again, like uh, an actor that was extraordinarily problematic yep. and, and like almost, that movie almost didn't come out. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a wasted opportunity. I think DC also has these great properties like um, The Dark Knight Rises, or The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, the Dark Knight Returns by, uh, uh, who wrote Dark Knight? It was the comic book. Yeah. Um. I'm, I don't. Oh wait, is it the um Watchmen guy? Yeah. Not Miller. Frank Miller. No, not, not Frank, Frank Miller. Miller. Wow. Cut this part out. Anyway, all right. The Dark Knight Returns <laughs> is this amazing comic book that came out, and I always thought, you know, what would be really fun is if they made that movie. Um, cause it's dark and it's, it's Batman, but like, he's like old, he's right? old. He's like, I was like, bring Michael Keaton back. Do like a, an R rated dark Knight mm-hmm. returns movie. And then they bring Michael Keaton back for this, like really kind of silly flash movie. So I, I think Michael Keaton as Adam West, it, I mean, he, yeah, he he had no edge to him mm-hmm. and it was, it felt like a huge waste. I, I want to see Michael Keaton serious in Dark Knight Returns. That's what I want to see. But Michael Keaton as Birdman as Batman. I mean, it almost is that. Like when Birdman came out, I was like, "Wow, this this is more reason that this would work." But it's never going to happen. And I think DC, uh, DC to me is the lost cause. Marvel, I hope doesn't get to that point. Um, but you know, they have promising things like a new Blade movie with Mahershala Ali in the works, and uh, so I hope they get it together. I think. I would I would say anybody who wants to learn more about this or or kind of read deeper into the inside baseball side of this, go to variety.com. Check out that article um we'll by link Tatiana to the, Siegel. Yeah, we'll li- we'll link to it in the in the show notes. Yeah. It's it's their cover article. It's called Crisis at Marvel. It's really interesting, but it le- it ends on this note that says, you know, don't rule Marvel out. Let, let's not forget that Marvel is still making massive amounts of money mm-hmm. um and has change the entire literally literally the entire not only cinematic landscape but streaming landscape as well yep. they changed the entire entertainment industry the mcu shifted the entire entertainment industry and that's a major thing yeah um and it it has good it has bad um it has good it has bad it has good it has bad and uh like anything else, I I don't know where it goes from here. Yeah, but um, you know, we'll we'll see with the Marvels coming out, and we'll see what 
they do and where they pivot to and Deadpool 3 comes out next year Wolverine yeah I was gonna say it it will be interesting to see because in that article they say um that the budget for Deadpool 3 got cut in half Mm -hmm. and if we all remember the first Deadpool movie also had a severely limited um compared to other MCU movies or other Fox properties at that time a severely limited um uh, budget so i do wonder what's going to happen because people are going to come out to see that like oh, to see yeah. wolverine to see for sure hugh, Jack- hugh jackman hugh jackman as wolverine in deadpool 3 with his buddy ryan reynolds yeah no it's going to be that movie is going to crush rated r rated r yeah hard r for gonna sure be incredible yeah so that it'll be interesting to see what like how how that movie's performance does and then how it informs the it, future for it's Marvel. another testament to writing. I think uh, slashing a budget sometimes is a good thing because mm-hmm. it forces you to think more about story and character and lean more into your characters and what you have yeah. instead of effects or you know using effects as this kind of blanket coverage for uh, BS. Yeah. Which you know, like Ant- the the Ant Man Quantum Mania movie to me was was that mm-hmm. it was like look at all this spectacle with like no plot and the character felt you know written as like a punchline in some ways uh lazy writing and i think you know when you slash a budget and you have someone really great writing the script and directing i think you can have that's where the magic really happens like the first guardians of the galaxy everyone's like who are the guardians of the galaxy Mm -hmm. everyone's like this isn't gonna work why is marvel leaning into some really really unknown obscure group well, it worked. It worked because it was directed and written in a way that was fresh and different and fun and vibrant. Granted, that movie had a massive effects budget, mm-hmm. but it just I'm just using that as an example of like good writing is the key to all of this. Yep. And when your good writing is being muddied by studio executives who are saying you have to do this, uh, here's our notes, 40 pages of them. Um, changing your entire plot line because it has to tie into these three television series that mm-hmm. we're writing that might not even do that well, but we're, we're committed to them. That's where things go awry, and that's where Marvel is right now. But honestly, I think I think they could pull out of it, and I think they probably will. I think they will too. We'll talk about more uh, about Marvel and and kind of follow up on this stuff, you know, as new Marvel movies release. But it this again, this is a really interesting article. Check it out. Um, this is the kind of thing we're going to be talking about week after week. Um, you know, these kind of newsworthy, in-the-moment items related to films, and then occasionally dipping back and, and doing fun things like watching a movie together, um, an old weird movie or something like that, and talking about it. Um, so I'm excited that we're back with Box Office Culture. We're going to be back every week. Um, so stay tuned uh, and come out and see Marvels this week. You're going to enjoy it, I think. Um, and send us your comments. Send us your reviews. We want to know what you think. We'll read some of them back if we get any on the next podcast. All right. Until next week, I'm Tony. This is Lee. This is Box Office Culture. Bye.
Thanks for tuning in to the United Theatre Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode, we encourage you to subscribe to our show so you never miss an episode. And if you could take a moment to leave a review, we'd greatly appreciate it. Your feedback helps us create content that you love. So hit that subscribe button and leave us a review, and we'll see you on the next episode.